Welcome to the podcast of the Pilates Alliance of Australasia. PAA strives to continue promoting the expansion of the Pilates method as a professional and valued healthcare and fitness discipline. The goal of the PAA podcast is to explore the many facets and layers of the Pilates industry through conversations with the community. I'm your host, Bruce Hildebrand. Welcome to the show. In the lead-up to the PAA conference in Melbourne in August this year, we have a series of short podcast episodes to introduce each of the workshop presenters. On today's episode, we have the privilege of introducing Julia Frankish. Julia is the owner and director of Evolved Pilates in Melbourne's Fairfield, which she opened in 2014 after teaching for over 10 years at studios across Melbourne. Julia has long worked closely with a range of health practitioners, which, along with her dance training experience, ignited a lifelong love of the method and its intelligent movement principles. Julia has a passion for Pilates education, having taught the APMA teacher training course for many years, and delivers regular lectures on a range of related topics to allied health practitioners, Pilates teachers, and into the dance world. Julia's presentation at this year's PAA conference is titled, It's Hip to be Square, Demystifying Hip and Pelvis Tightness and Pain. Julia, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Julia, could you give us a quick overview of the presentation you have in store for us at the upcoming PAA conference? Well, hip to be square, I've been fascinated by hips for a long time, and I think the title is a clever play on words in terms of square hip. I am definitely a square, a total nerd about hips and thinking about it, learning about it. It's definitely something that I'm very interested in. And I think that as instructors, we meet lots of clients that come in with hip pain and tightness. And it's interesting to think about what the drivers of that hip pain and tightness is. Do we need to stretch? Do we need to release? We do a lot of strengthening work, particularly focusing on glute max, external rotators of the hip, hip abduction. But why do we do that? Why do we choose to focus on a specific area? And can we be creative on our exercise selection, muscle recruitment strategies? That's what the idea of the workshop is, demystifying where that primary driver of hip pain and tightness comes from and how we can best problem solve and be curious about getting a good outcome. I always love speaking to experienced practitioners because the pinnacle ultimately of each presentation comes from a very rich background of which I understand from our preamble is it's been informed for many years with contact with many, many practitioners. Can you give us some insight into the specific background experience or the learning for you that was the catalyst for creating the content for this conference presentation, Julia? I think the initial catalyst was struggling with my own pain. When I was a new instructor, I just finished my qualification and I had been doing tons of ballet and I stopped doing that. I stopped doing a lot of my conditioning and I think we all fall into the trap of this. Early in our careers, mid in our careers, late in our careers forget how important working on our own bodies are. So I was doing lots of teaching of Pilates, lots of teaching of ballet, but not enough working and conditioning for my own body. So it's a significant drop in terms of what I was used to. And I developed awful FIJ pain, debilitating pain. And that gives you an insight in really understanding that presentation when people come to the studio. So I worked a lot with physios, with different Pilates practitioners on trying to manage hip pain and understanding things, understanding the way my own hips work, learning from people, practicing things on myself, exploring, being curious, what happens when I try this, what happens when I try that. And I've done that experimentation on my own body 
And then through my career, I guess I realized how prevalent hip pain was in clients that I was seeing. And that started to get me thinking more about different strategies. I've had more hip pain of my own and different presentations of FII and dysplasia and learning on my own body, applying it on my own body, and then having that awareness of applying it to clients is how I've begun thinking about it and has become my love affair with the hip and pelvis through the 20 years that I've been teaching Pilates. I love to hear the richness always of the presenters coming onto the conference. So thank you for sharing your wide breadth of knowledge with us coming up in August. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to hearing all of the presentations, actually. It's a wonderful opportunity to meet new people, learn new things, hear new things. And Julia, for those considering coming into your presentation at the conference, what will be the top couple of takeaway ideas and concepts from the session? I would like to look at pain and tightness in a different way. If someone's presenting with anterior hip pain, maybe our brain goes to, oh, perhaps we should stretch their hip flexors, but thinking about why is their hip tight? So using some tools to assess whether actually is their hip tight? Do I need to stretch? Is the tightness of the hip flexors the primary driver for the hip pain or is the anterior hip pain coming from tightness in the posterior hip structures? Just that idea of being curious and problem solving so that we can understand the complexities in the hip and pelvis with relation to stretching, releasing, strengthening and what's appropriate when. I think developing a keen eye for diagnostic tools that you can use We don't necessarily use physio tests, although I think sometimes we could apply some of those simpler ones into movement, but watching the way that people move, watching for their compensatory patterns. Instead of thinking they've got hip pain, they need stronger glutes and giving them bridging, think about how high do we bridge, how long do we bridge for, do we add a weight onto their hips to maximise glute max strength, do we get them to squeeze a ball to think about adductor strength, do we press out into a band to preference their abductors of their hips. Rather than just applying glute strength as a band-aid for hip pain, to start to think about using the repertoire that you have in a really skillful way to preference the specifics of what you've assessed that the client needs. And then the other thing is not necessarily from the workshop you'll learn this, but then what I want you to go away and think about is how to communicate that to your client. Because you can have the wealth of knowledge, but you don't want to hold all those cards close to your chest. So thinking about it in this diagnostic, almost clinical way, but then being able to explain to the client in five words or less why you're doing what you're doing. Because if you can't explain it and they don't have buy-in, it just won't work. So your mind will open to thinking about this and then the work begins from there about how to communicate that to your clients, which clients, what to do and how to explain exactly what you're doing. So it's a confidence about opening that dialogue with clients to problem solve their own hip and pelvis pain, demystify their hip and pelvis pain for them. So it's a flow on effect and I really feel that's what I have learned through my career. And these are just my ideas and my take on it that I'm very excited to share. I love the classic situation of a client showing up to class having been advised to use their glutes more or differently or train their glutes. I often pause and wait for them to finish the sentence, but most often it doesn't get finished because that's all they've been told. So I'm left wanting to ask, can you give me a bit more detail? And there's usually a shake of the head. 
I'm excited about your presentation because it's paying it forward in many ways of us educating our clients so ultimately they can learn something completely new in their own body. And the real test is when they can even articulate it back to us or even to friends and family that you've done a really thorough job as a teacher to get that across. I think communication is key. And there is this idea too, instead of saying, can you feel it in your glutes? A conversation of where can you feel that working or what is the experience for you? Because we'll give the same exercise to 10 different clients, say in a mat class, and everybody's experience will be slightly different. And that's the richness in what we can offer in understanding that, communicating that with the client, but having this open channel of communication and dialogue so that you're not left problem solving by yourself. That's a really tricky thing to do. Suddenly you've got two brains working. I can see what's happening, but I do not know how that feels in your body. I need that information from you to be able to inform my next move. It needs to be this teamwork, this meeting of minds It's certainly not a straight line. It's this meandering pathway that you need to wander together in working out solving the mystery. And Julia, (laughs) after coming along to the presentation, what will participants be able to immediately apply with their clients when they return to work on the Monday morning after the conference? An absolutely new perspective to glute activation and hip pain. Rather than teaching the bridge or teaching a pelvic roll or teaching a prone leg lift or teaching hip abduction, being more curious and problem-solving, thinking about why they would preference their abduction, why they might teach clams, why they might avoid that, when they should stretch their hip flexors. This new idea and approach of being curious about glute work, glute strengthening, hip stretching, hip strengthening, the whole hip and pelvis complex. Sounds so great. I think a nice contrast with this clinical understanding that you're presenting and then the practical application Yeah, I'm hoping it'll be wonderful. One of the things I was tempted to ask, what's your experience of the complexities of the hip? Because there's so many moving parts to angles and bone shapes and joints and different structures. It's all very three-dimensional and very complex. Tell us more about how you've managed to simplify that down into bite-sized chunks that it can fit into a two-hour workshop. You're absolutely right. When I think more about this, I could have called it the 3D hip because not only do we need to think about the femoral glide in the acetabulum of the hip in terms of the sagittal, coronal, transverse plane, but then we also need to think about the way that the pelvis pivots on top of the femur. And we do a lot of our Pilates exercises lying down, so we are thinking about that femoral glide. But life is standing up and moving around, so that's where I think we need to take those exercises and bring them into a functional concept. But it's the concepts. I think if you can get good femoral head control and centering and strengthening, you can abduct, adduct externally. You can do whatever you like with your legs. The spine transfers load down through the pelvis and into the femur. So we need to think about the way that we can stabilize the femur to then be able to move the legs in whatever direction we want. But I think that's key. I think the idea of what happens when we lie down and then we stand up, that's a brain blow for a lot of teachers once they start to think about that. I use a lot of imagery. Imagery is a big way that I teach. I talk about chicken wishbone thigh bones. So everybody thinks that their thigh bones are these matchsticks that hang out of their pelvis. But actually, when we think about the shape of the femur and the way that the femoral head comes in and you get that articulation with the capsule of the hip, the more that we can think of that being like a chicken wishbone structure that then complements into the pelvis, 
we can think then about the relationship of the femurs fitting into the pelvis and being able to move from there. I use a lot of imagery, lots of tactile cueing. I'm very into all of that. But it's working out no one size fits all. It's working out what works for your clients. But certainly I think the three-dimensional hip, you have to think about it like that. We've taken a big bite out of something to digest in the two-hour workshop. And the other thing I'm always interested in is the vast dance experience that you have, Julia. Tell us more about the overlay of your understanding and your kinesthetic wisdom of all those years of dance and how it informs what you're presenting at the conference. Oh, Bruce, if I could go back, if I could take this brain now and put it into my dance body. I love dancing and I did it for many, many years. And I had a wonderful teacher who is actually the reason that I ended up in Pilates. She was very forward thinking. She got us really assessing our movement and doing lots of complementary things, Pilates, Feldenkrais, lots of things to inform our movement. But if I could go back now with the brain that I have, I think that would be wonderful. But I think I went a bit full circle. I moved a lot away from my dance background and forgot all of that and tried to start from the beginning because I didn't want to work with beautifully pointed toes or play to my flexibility. But that's been something that I've worked a lot on in my own body around hip and pelvis stability. I've worked a lot on strengthening my body, but I think the dance world will always inform me. I love working with little dancers. It's a big part of my Pilates journey, certainly, that dance background. It's certainly inspiring to be able to pay that forward and help the next generation and next generation beyond that with this layer of information that is only going to enhance what they're able to achieve in their body. Absolutely. And all of the things about injury prevention and things in the dance world, they'll be our clients in 20 years' time in the studio with FAI and deep hip rotator tightness and lots of problems to workshop in their own hips. I think getting them to understand their bodies. I think it's key in kids, adults, anybody. It's understanding the way that your body moves and its little quirks and complexities, which we all have, and learning to work with what you have. Julia, we all can't wait for your presentation coming up at the conference in Melbourne in August. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today. Thanks so much for your time. We look forward to seeing you at the live presentations in August. Thanks so much, Bruce. There is a membership category for every Pilates enthusiast, where the Alliance provides a wide range of information, resources, and support for everything you want to know more of with Pilates. Help us expand the message of the PAA by sharing with your network of friends and colleagues today so that the Pilates community can continue to be a vibrant and inspiring network for everyone's benefit. You can become a member today by visiting the links in the show notes. For existing members, join us on the PAA Member Forum Facebook page where you'll find an ongoing supply of resources and conversations to continue supporting you and your participation and involvement in the many levels of Pilates here in Australia. The Pilates Alliance Australasia only exists because of the contributions of the Pilates community. If there's a topic or a conversation you would love to share on the podcast, then we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Pilates Alliance podcast. Please leave your comments on the Pilates Alliance Members Forum Facebook page. And remember, for anyone who is yet to become a member, we'd love to have you put your voice forward for the benefit of progressing Pilates here in Australia.